Aloha! Welcome to the Hale o Nakaula podcast. We are based upcountry on the stunning island of Maui. If you have any questions or want to know more about us, you can always check us out at hokmaui.com. We would love to connect with you on social media throughout the week on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Today, our pastor, Daniel Oliveira, illuminates Psalms 51 through the context of David's life. We know David as a worshiper and a man after God's own heart, but it is important for us to study his life and understand the man behind the Psalms. Amen. I want to speak up again a little bit about what the Lord is being speaking to us about repentance. You know, and when we talk about repentance, we, you know, we talk about Psalm 51, right? But one of the principles of studying the scriptures is you have to understand the context. You know, so Psalms 51 happened in the middle of a whole context of what was happening in David's life. You know, so it, it is in, important for us to study the life of David. We know him as a worshiper, you know, wrote most of the Psalms, and we, we are so blessed to read the Psalms, right? But it's important to understand the man and the life and the circumstances behind the Psalms. So I have a lot to talk to you about this morning, but I don't have time. But I will, I will try to make a summary, okay? And in this summary, there's a story. In Hebrew, it's called Haggadah. When we have Passover, we have the Haggadah. We tell the story of Passover. And parables are stories. And the, the goal of these stories is that you find yourself in that story. And then at the end of every parable, you have to make a decision. Right? What kind of soil you are? What kind of servant you are? Are you the forgiving servant or the unforgiving servant? So the, the, the objective of this story this morning is for us to find ourselves in the scriptures and find where we are in this story. Does it make sense? So we, we know that the story of David started with Saul king before him, disobeying the Lord, right? So he disobeyed the Lord, and Samuel, the prophet, said, the Lord's going to take the kingdom from you, and we'll anoint another one in your place, okay? So the Lord told Samuel, go to Bethlehem, to the house of Jesse, and I'm going to show you whom to anoint. And we know the story You know that Jesse had eight sons. You know, so it started with the oldest one, tall, a warrior, you know, in the army of Israel already. You know, and the Lord told Samuel, do not look at the outward appearance. Right? 1 Samuel 16:7. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at the height of his stature, 
Because I have rejected this one. This is not it. I mean, this guy is strong and tall and a grown-up man. He would be a good king, but this is not what I'm looking for. Remember, this is a story, okay? And we're going to go, I hope, go from A to B, and the Lord is going to speak to all of us here this morning. I have rejected this one, for God sees not as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So we know that the story is like, Jesse brought one by one until the seventh one, and then Samuel was like, these are not the ones. Is there another one? Oh yeah, there is a little boy out. He's tiny. He, he cannot carry anything. You know, he cannot help in war. He cannot, you know, but he's a little boy. He's with the sheep outside in the pasture. And then, okay, bring him over. And then the Lord said, anoint this one. So it's important to understand that David, a man after God's own heart, started as the one that nobody would look to him. They would not even think about him as a king, as the one to be anointed. Okay? Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. This is 1 Samuel 16, 13. So we see here that the anointing was not just the oil, but the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. So that was the first anointing. The first anointing is, you are going to replace the old. That's a great anointing, right? The problem is that the old will hate you. (laughs) What happened after this is the Spirit of the Lord came upon David, and the Spirit was removed from Saul. So actually, a Spirit started tormenting Saul, because he realized, wow, now I'm not going to be king anymore. So he asked for somebody to come and comfort him. And they brought David, because David was a musician, and he, he could play, and that would help Saul in his struggles. And then we know this story about, you know, David would play to Saul here, 1 Samuel 16, 18. Then one of the young men answered and said, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, who is a skillful musician, a mighty man of valor, a warrior, one prudent in speech, and a handsome man, and the Lord is with him. The Lord is with him. This is what really matters. And we're going to go through this. I want to go fast. But what is important here to understand is that from that point forward, the Spirit of the Lord was with David. He killed a giant, a lion, a bear. And David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go and may the Lord be with you. 
So listen to this. This young boy was anointed. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him. And from that day forward, he started moving in a level. You know, and then he started rising in the eyes of the people. And he killed Goliath. You know, at one point, Saul said, I want to give you my daughter to be your wife. And David said, no, who am I? Who am I to be your, the son-in-law of the king? I'm nobody. But the Lord was with him. Then they went to war, and David defeated the enemy, and the people started singing, Saul kills a thousand, David kills ten thousand. Then Saul went like, wait, wait, wait a minute. The prophet already told me that another one would be anointed in my place. And now everybody is loving David more than they love me. And then he started trying to kill David. Remember, the first anointing is for you to replace the old. That opens the door for battle. A lot of, I think a lot of what we read in the Psalms probably happened after this first anointing. That David was fighting for his life. He was hiding in caves. He was seeking the Lord. Right? How many times do you, you look, I look to the Lord, to the mountain, where my salvation comes from. He was looking for salvation. He was fighting for his life. And that's where the worship would come from. The Psalms would come because he was crying to the Lord for help. And the Spirit of the Lord was with him. 1 Samuel 18, 14, And David was prospering in all his ways, for the Lord was with him. The Lord was with him during the days of battle. After the first anointing. Because he had to seek the Lord. It's interesting because it was almost like a civil war happening in Israel. Because people started to follow David. And he had to hide in caves and run to the desert. And then all the people like us, indebted. You know, had nothing. They start following David, the David mighty man. You know, and then it's interesting how many times, I think it's maybe four to six times, that David had a chance to kill Saul. And he would end the battle, he would end the civil war. But he said, I'm not going to kill, I'm not going to touch the anointed of the Lord. Even through battle, he had a right spirit. <laughs> he had a, a, a fear of the Lord. Look at this. 1 Samuel 24, 6. Far be it from me, because of the Lord, that I should do this thing to my Lord, the Lord's anointed, to stretch out my hand against him, since he is the Lord's anointed. 
I think that this is so important because it's going to even make more sense when I get to the end. When we get farther, what happens that triggers Psalms 51, 24. I have more verses to read here. Is that okay? It's important for you to understand the progression and the story because Psalms 51 doesn't happen automatically, you know, it doesn't just come naturally. It was a life of walking with God. You know, he would ask the Lord, Lord, should I go out to battle against my enemies? And the Lord would tell him, yes, go. Or, no, don't go. But he was constantly seeking the leading of the Lord. Let me read some more here, verse 10. Behold, verse 9, David said to Saul, Why do you listen to the words of men saying, Behold, David seeks to harm you? He was not seeking to harm Saul. He was not trying to be the king. You know, he was saying, Who am I to be the son-in-law of the king? He didn't see himself as anointed or ready to take over the king's place. Behold, this day your eyes have seen the, the Lord had given you today into my hand in the cave. And some said to kill you. But my eye had pity on you. And I said, I will not stretch out my hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. So this is David talking to Saul after, remember this story, Saul went into the cave to relieve himself. And David cut a piece of his garment. And when Saul left, he said, Saul, here, I could have killed you. The Lord gave you into my hands. I could have done vengeance. I could have taken this into my own hands. Remember that Saul did that? That he sacrificed and he did not wait for Samuel? But David did not. He was waiting on the Lord for the leading of the Lord. Now, my father, see, indeed, see the edge of your robe in my hand. For in, it, for in that I cut off the edge of your robe and did not kill you. Know and perceive that there is no evil or rebellion in my hands. And I have not sinned against you. Though you are lying in wait for my life to take it. May the Lord judge between you and me, and may the Lord avenge me on you, but my hand shall not be against you. Isn't that beautiful? A man after God's own heart, even through battle, he kept his heart right before the Lord. Not avenging those that persecuted him. As the proverb of ancient says, out of the wicked comes forth wickedness, but my hand shall not be against you. After whom has the king of Israel come out? Whom are you pursuing? A dead dog? A single flea? That's how David saw himself. He was like nothing. I am nothing. I'm the least of my father's house. 
The Lord therefore be judge and decide between you and me, and may he see and plead my cause and deliver me from your hand. When David had finished speaking these words to Saul, Saul said, Is this your voice, my son David? Then Saul lifted up, lifted up his voice and wept. He said to David, You are more righteous than I, for you have dealt well with me, while I have dealt wickedly with you. You have declared today that you have done good to me, that the Lord delivered me into your hand, and yet you did not kill me. For if a man finds his enemy, will he let him go away safely? May the Lord therefore reward you with good in return for what you have done to me this day. Now behold, I know that you will surely be king, and that the kingdom of Israel will be established in your hand. So now, swear to me by the Lord that you will not cut off my descendants after me, and that you will not destroy my name from my father's household. David swore to Saul, and Saul went to his home, but David went, and his men went up to the stronghold. I know I'm going to take some time reading, but I, I want to just to create the story, create the picture that we understand, and not only that, then what is my response? Where do I fit in in this story? How am I behaving through the battles or the persecutions or the circumstances or the blessings? It was, you know, still in the middle of the, the, the civil war that finally the tribe of Judah, the one that David belonged to, they decided, you're going to be our king. And then, you know, Judah got separated from the kingship of Saul, and they anointed him over the tribe of Judah. That was the second anointing. But the second anointing was still under civil war, under persecution. And this thing of Saul and David continued. And they had several encounters and war battles and all of that. And David had other opportunities to kill him, but he did not. And in everything, he was asking the Lord for guidance. It was only after he was anointed king over all Israel. Saul was no longer persecuting David. Everything was going good for him. All the tribes of Israel came and said, Okay, now we are one under a new king. The Lord is with him. He is a good man. All is good, right? Right. Maybe it is when we put our guards down that we think that we do not need the leading of the Lord anymore. We don't have enemies. You know, everything is good in the household of Israel. You guys with me? Second yeah. Samuel 11. Almost could read the whole chapter here. Let's see. Verse 1. So now the king is on his palace. His army 
doing war, and he's like, okay, it's good to be a king. <laughs> right? What am I going to do now with all my, my free time? I am not running for my life anymore. I can do whatever I want. You know, I mean, in this process of going from cave to cave and battle to battle, he was like just like getting wives and making sons. It's good to be a king, right? <laughs> but this day here, right on his palace, then it happened in the spring, at the time when kings go out to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel. And they destroyed the sons of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David stayed at Jerusalem. Now when evening came, David arose from his bed and walked around on the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful in appearance. So David sent and inquired about the woman. And one said, Is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? David sent messengers and took her. And when she came to him, he lay with her. And when she was purified herself, she had purified herself from her uncleanness, she returned to her house. So you guys know what's happening here, right? Long story short, she got pregnant. She told the king, hey, this is what's going on. Her husband was where? Fighting for the king. But the main thing here is that the king could just have said, you know what? This is life. I'm going to take you, or, you know, because I am the king. I can do whatever I want. No, he tried to hide it. First, he brought Uriah from the front line of the battle and told him to go home, right? Then, I'm not going to be the dad of that child. I'm going to find a way to not be blamed by this. What happened? Uriah was a, a good soldier. And he did not go home. He said, how can I go home when my brothers are still in battle? I'm not going to uh, forsake my brothers that are still in battle and go home and bathe myself and, and just have a good time. Then David went, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? I mean, and then, read this whole chapter, and David calls Uriah, gives him enough wine, like, oh, maybe if he gets drunk, he's going to go home, right? He didn't. <laughs> <laughs> then David had no other way to solve this situation. I mean, he had another way, just come out in the light and say, okay, this is what happened. I am the king, right? No, he, okay, I'm going to kill this guy. He told Joab, put him in the front line and retreat the army from him and let him be killed. He did not kill 
Saul that was persecuting him. But he killed a faithful soldier and friend. Verse 27, when the time of mourning was over, David sent and brought her to his house, and she became his wife. Then she bore him a son. But the thing that David had done was evil in the sight of the Lord. That's where the problem came in. He lost touch of the leading of the Holy Spirit. Chapter 12, verse 1. Then the Lord sent Nathan to David. And he came to him and said, There were two men in one city, the one rich and the other poor. The rich man had a great many flocks and herds. But the poor man had nothing except one little Eve lamb, which he bought and nourished. And it grew up together with him and his children. Of course, this is talking about Uriah and his wife, right? Now a traveler came to the rich man, and he was unwilling to take from his own flock or his own herd to prepare for the wayfarer who had come to him. Rather, he took the poor man's Eve lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. Then David's anger burned greatly against the man, and he said to Nathan, As the Lord lives, surely the man who has done this deserves to die. Verse 7, Nathan then said to David, You are the man. Thus says the Lord God of Israel, "It, It is I who anointed you king over Israel, and it is I who delivered you from the hand of Saul. I also gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your care. And I gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if that had been too little, I would have added to you many more things like this. Why have you despised the the word of the Lord by doing evil in his sight? You have struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword have taken his wife to be your wife, and have killed him with the sword of the sons of Ammon. What is the point here? The point here is, I'm asking myself, is there any areas in my life that I have walled off? And I have allowed blind spots that I don't even see You know, because it's like he was either lying to himself or he was totally unaware of what he was doing. Maybe because he was a king now. Maybe now he thought that I can do this. It's not wrong. You know, but the, the, the carefulness here is that maybe it was not wrong for a king to do that. And that's where we're going to go because we're going to see that when Nathan talked to David, he broke. And he, that's why I think that he, he is a man after God's own heart. And I'm saying, Lord, give me the heart of David. Give me that sensitivity 
to hear the voice of Nathan. You know, give me the sensitivity to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking to me. And this is, now you understand a little bit more of the story leading to Psalms 51, right? There's a lot more, but we don't have time. Be gracious to me, O God, according to your loving kindness. I love this because this is a prayer. And you start with the prayer recognizing who he is. And his identity. Your loving kindness, according to the greatness of your compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only, I have sinned. I think it's important to take a minute and, you know, he didn't. As a king, maybe he didn't do anything wrong. What he did wrong was to hide. (laughs) Was to try to lie about it. And to try to sweep under the, the... rug, you know, even trying to get Uriah to go home or to get him killed. So, Lord, give us that sensitivity. Against you, you only I have sinned. You know, I think that this is important because a lot of times we think that, oh yeah, you know, I know I did this, but, you know, that person deserved it. (laughs) Right? That person offended me. So, I mean, that person was persecuting me. I had the right to uh, revenge. Right? And that's where it's tricky with David, because even when he could have used that, he did not. And then this guy that had done nothing to him, he went and killed him. And then he realizes, what I did was not just against him, it was against the Lord. So that you are justified when you speak, and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the innermost being. And in the hidden part, you will make me know wisdom. Lord, make us know wisdom. Purify me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness. Let the bones which you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out all my iniquities. Isn't this beautiful? I mean, this is a, a cry, honest cry to the Lord. He's not justifying. He's not excusing himself. He's just confessing it and saying, now Lord, be with me. Right? Creating me a clean heart, oh God. 
and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. And do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Lord, may that be our prayer. Lord, make me always open to hear the voice of your Holy Spirit. Convicting me. Showing me the areas that I'm not aware of. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. And sustain me with a willing spirit. Then... I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will be converted to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, the God of my salvation. Then my tongue will joyfully sing of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, that my mouth may declare your praise. For you do not delight in sacrifice, otherwise I would give it. You are not pleased with burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. By your favor, do good to Zion. Build the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in righteous sacrifices, in burnt offerings, and whole burnt offering. Then young bulls will be offered on your altar. I just want to bless this for us. You know, I think that to me, this is a a word that the Lord has been speaking to me. But I also think that we all need it. You know, and I'm asking the Lord, because we're looking for deliverances. We're looking for the new day, to receive the new wine. The only way for us to do that is by always keeping our hearts and our ears open to what the Lord is speaking to us today. So may this be our prayer. Lord, speak to us. We open up to receive the voice of the Holy Spirit. The voice of the Holy Spirit coming and speaking and revealing the truth to our hearts. Amen. Mahalo for listening to this message. If you are led to leave a rating and review, please feel free to do so. May God bless you.